Welcome to the Save Your Marriage podcast, dedicated to all the men and women out there who are going through marital problems and want to save their marriages. Here, we give you tools, perspectives, and insight into how to save your marriage and have a thriving marriage. This podcast is sponsored by The Fortified Spouse. And now, here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode. Thank you very much for listening. I just want to invite all the men and women out there to book a private, complimentary call with me. We will talk about your particular situation in private and give you lots of guidance and put you on the path to restoring and saving your marriage. Just go to www.fortifiedspouse.com forward slash call. That's C-A-L-L. Now, I want to make sure you understand some warning places in your relationship, right? Some danger points of a relationship as well as having some skills and having some knowledge that's going to move you to a new place. The first place I want to start with you is just for a moment for you to think back on those early days of your relationship. Think back to those moments when you were falling in love. Think back about the actions that were bringing the two of you together and how you were doing those loving things and how you were trying to show that you thought this other person was just amazing. Now, I think back to my own time in that courtship phase, and I remember my wife at that point, just my girlfriend, I was trying to just show her how amazing I thought she was. And so I would do loving things, and that was to let her know that I cared for her and that I thought she was amazing. Well, that's where most of us start. You probably have a similar story. You can think back on the things you did. I remember how she said she loved coffee, and so we would always meet at a Starbucks I remember how she said the old days of receiving a letter in the mail were gone and how I sent her a letter in the mail. I remember her telling me that she had never been to the theater before and so I took her to a musical play. I remember the times that I helped her move things. I remember the times that I brought her gifts and flowers, the times that I would take walks with her even when I might have been busy, the times where we just talked on the phone, all those loving things that you do when you're trying to show somebody that you love them. The interesting thing for me is I've noticed in a lot of relationships, something changes somewhere in the relationship. It might be a few months. It might be even after you get married. But at some point, there's a shift that happens. And so today I want to talk about that, how love really is a gift you give somebody. It's not a transaction you make with them. And I want to kind of talk about how that gets in the way of relationships. Love means I do this because I love. A transaction is I do this in exchange for that. It's trying to get something out of the other person. And so whatever you're doing, there are strings attached. Now, let me be very clear when I talk about love, the definition that we're using here of I do this because I love you, that's the actions. That's where love is a gift. So the definition of love is a gift. I do this because I love you. That's it. We're not talking here about unconditional love. I'm going to say something that a lot of people get kind of upset about when I say, and that is that I don't believe much in unconditional love. So let me tell you why that is. You say unconditional love is when you will love somebody no matter what they do. It's unconditional. No matter what they do, no matter how they act, and no matter what actions they might take in life, you'll continue to love them. 
Now, being a parent, I recognize that that's probably as close as you get to unconditional love is the love you have for a child. You might not love what a child does. You might not love their actions. You might not love a lot of the things that they do, how they respond to you, how they talk to you, how they respond to friends, how they talk to friends, what they might do in the world. They might get into trouble and many other things. And so you might not like those things, but you will continue to love them in spite of those actions. Now let's turn that to a marriage. And this is why I don't believe in unconditional love in a marriage, because there's a line that everybody will draw. And I've done this enough times to know that people will say, yes, I love my spouse unconditionally, to which I say, so if your spouse did something horrendous in the world, would you continue to love them? And then they begin to waffle a little bit. If your spouse killed lots of people, would you love them? If your spouse was abusing a lot of people, would you love them? If your spouse was cheating on you over and over and over, would you continue to love them? If your spouse was abusive to you, would you continue to love them? And my point is that there is always some point when people will say, no, I wouldn't love them at that point. Well, at least if they're honest with themselves, to which I point out that the proof that the spousal love is not unconditional love. We might work in that direction. We might be trying to move in that direction, but it's not. And so when I talk about love as a gift, let's get that off the table. This isn't about unconditional love. This is about giving love freely without expecting something back, something in return. And here's the problem. When we get to that transaction piece, the problem is in the entire formulation of that. That somehow you can do something so that somebody will do something for you. It's not, I can love you so you'll love me. It's more, I do this so I get that. And that's the danger when it comes to a transaction. What happens if suddenly you can't do those things? What happens if you've based a relationship on you doing things in exchange for other things? And suddenly you can't do it. You're sick, you're injured, you are incapacitated in some way or your spouses, and so they can't return that. Maybe you lost your job. Suddenly we have a problem with the transactions. It becomes unbalanced. Also, how do you value something? How do you value this action so that I get that? And why would a spouse also value it in the same way? So maybe you put a high value that you deserve a lot for what you did, and your spouse puts a very low value and thinks you got very little in return for that suddenly that transaction piece becomes very difficult to value. And when you can't value it together, you can't set kind of that price tag on it. Then you have a problem in the transaction in and of itself. This is what I've called the balance book marriage in another episode of the podcast. The balance book marriage is where we kind of have this feeling that I put this much in, you must put that much in as well. Because we've got a 50-50 relationship and it's supposed to be balanced. Well, that doesn't exist. There are rare points when a marriage is actually 50-50. And why get caught up into that? There is that saying where marriage is not 50-50, it's 100 and 100. Both people are all the way in. And I think there's a lot more truth to that. The problem with that 50-50 is it kind of is the balance book idea that I put this much in. I deserve this much back. So you have to put that much in, but it breaks down when that can't be sustained. So what happens when you make it a transaction? Well, a couple of things happen for your spouse. 
It creates feelings of debt that you do something and they go, oh gosh, now I owe you. And it creates out of this sense of debt and obligation. Instead of loving freely, it's obligation to love or even obligation to care for or obligation to act. An obligation becomes very needy very quickly. Also, it feels very pressured. I did this, now you do that. And there's a pressure in trying to receive that debt. And it also creates a very high expectation so that when that expectation is not met, there's a crisis in the relationship. Hey, I did that. Why am I not getting this out of it? Hey, you did that. Now, how do I deal with that expectation of what I'm going to do? So quickly, the other person begins to feel very manipulated, used, and controlled. And when the other person becomes very manipulated and used and controlled, you're no longer creating that feeling that needs to be there of feeling both loved and wanted and accepted, not needed, but wanted. That feeling of need or of having to earn love feels very off to most people and very distancing. And so when we feel that, we tend to naturally back away from it. So let's be very clear that feeling that sense of manipulation and being used is pretty much the opposite of feeling loved, accepted, and nurtured, feeling cared for. It's based in your own neediness. When you create that, the neediness is not thinking about you're going to be loved just for you. And we all have that place where we struggle with, am I lovable? And it comes out of these points where you say, okay, I'm not sure I feel lovable, but maybe I can exchange my way into feeling it. It's also about being used to getting something, whatever that is, whether it's attention or sex or validation. I've talked to couple after couple, spouse after spouse, when one person says, you know, it's like I can never be touched because that's going to lead to an expectation of sex. I've heard many women tell me about the back rubs. It wasn't just let me rub your back because I love you. It's let me rub your back to see if I can warm you up. And so suddenly these little loving gestures become loaded. Let me rub your feet and then rubbing your feet moves up the legs because it's trying to do something that you don't feel like you can do directly. And so you're trying to get a need. Hey, if I give you a back rub, then I deserve this. And I've also heard men that feel used when their wives want something and they offer intimacy, sex or something in exchange for them doing that. And so they start getting used to you know, giving a favor in return for something else that was initiated by the needs of their wife. And so we have to be very careful that we're not getting into a transaction kind of phase of a relationship because it brings the relationship down. So what do we do about this? If it's based in neediness, how can we move away from that? Well, it's some habit breaking and some mindset changing. So now I've already challenged you on the mindset to make it not a transaction but to make it a gift, that those loving actions you do become a gift, not a transaction. So how do we get out of this tendency? Well, there was an interview that Gary Chapman had that I'm going to address here. Gary Chapman, for all the people that don't know who he is, he pioneered the concept of love languages. And in the interview, Gary proposed a love experiment, and it had a couple of components. One is that you do it with zero expectation. Now, again, if you know Gary Chapman, you know he's talking about love languages, that you're trying to define those actions, those ways of being with your spouse that are going to make your spouse feel most love. 
And so what he suggested is that you pick a period of time and he suggested six months as a good time frame. And in those six months, you do this love experiment where you do the actions, you try to speak the love language of your spouse with zero expectations that anything is going to come back to you. So you've already broken down that transaction. You've already made it a gift. And so then when you do that, it changes your thinking and the process. If you're doing those actions, if you're taking advantage of those love language lessons, then you're putting them out there, not because you're trying to get something back, but because you want your spouse to feel loved. You've suddenly made the shift that's important to get away from those transactions. Also, it's freeing for both people. Suddenly, the expectations aren't on the other person to turn it around and meet your needs to kind of get out of debt to meet the expectations that come with it. The transaction has been canceled and suddenly it is just a gift. You think of that idea of the love languages as giving that gift of love. And that creates the possibilities of it when you change your mindset behind it. So think about how you might be able to enter into that love experiment, even if you're in a relationship where it's just kind of gotten stale or stagnant, that you decide you're going to take that on because it changes your expectations. It creates a new path for how you interact with each other. It's no longer about the transaction. It's about the gift of love. Also, think about Gary's idea of the love tank. The love tank is that reservoir that people have of love, and when it's not full, we can't feel that connection. And so what you're trying to do is not create equal parts, but to focus on filling the other person's tank. Again, it's a switch in mindset. I'm not trying to get my tank filled. I'm trying to fill your tank. And it changes the expectations of the relationship. Now, let me be very clear. I'm not suggesting that you should live in a marriage where none of your needs are ever met. I'm just suggesting that if you're trying to get your needs met by doing something for the other person, you've created a transaction. You have not really showed love. You've only created a transaction to try to pull them in. Now, it can take lots of energy to fill that tank. If you have that image of that tank and it's running on empty... It can take a lot of energy to fill that tank when it's been tapped all the way down. So part of the reason for that six-month period of time in the love experiment was to give you a chance to keep pumping it in, to getting it in there, to making sure that you're doing all you can to fill that tank before you've ever trying to or expecting to get anything out of that tank. In fact, don't think of that love tank as your reservoir. It's your spouse's reservoir for them to feel loved. And so you want to keep making sure that you're filling that tank. So what you want to do is get away from that transaction idea and instead commit to making love the gift. Commit to loving without expectations of anything, just with your spouse to feel loved. That's your goal. If you do that, you will be filling the tank. You'll be speaking their love language and you'll be making sure that you're not creating a debt, that you're not creating that transactional idea. You're not trying to create a balance book. You're taking out the neediness that you've built into the relationship and you've made yourself a stronger person. All of that allows you to step in and give the gift of love because love should never be transactional. Thank you for listening. Now, I want to introduce you to the Fortified Spouse Program that has helped thousands of women and men just like you save their marriages with an 85% success rate. It is based on four fundamental pillars. One, gain the tools to reconnect with your spouse. 
Two, understand the differences between men and women so we can appreciate and be more empathetic with our spouse. Three, learn how to gain inner confidence so we are no longer codependent on our spouse. And four, deal with our insecurities and triggers so we are more emotionally in control and not as easily triggered. If you're interested in learning more about these tools to immediately stabilize the marriage and postpone and delay the divorce or separation or win your spouse back from an affair, then go to www.fortifiedspouse.com and enroll in the program. It is going to change your life. It is going to make you the best version of you, and it has the highest probability of saving your marriage. You have been listening to the Save Your Marriage podcast for men and women. For further information, visit The Fortified Spouse at www.fortifiedspouse.com. Thank you.